First uh, John for the next three hours. And um, there we go. That's what I've been waiting for. Uh, and we're just so thankful to God um, for this, this little book of the Bible. And, and really, we're, I'm trying to go slow through it so we can digest some of it and really uh, put some things in the practical um, living here in our lives. And, and I came across, I mean, this is, this is amazing. And I was thinking about this. And you remember the first time you've said it to somebody. When, when, when you say these words, I love you, what do you really mean? I remember the first girl I ever told I loved her. I bought her a ring. I mean, we were serious. I was in the fifth grade. It was, it was I mean, this is a serious girl. And I got her this gold ring. I mean, I'll never forget. I had my mom pick it out and I said, Mom, make sure it's real because I want to give her a gold. We're serious. I mean, this is the girl of my dreams. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful. I, I don't even remember her name. Can you believe that? And uh, anyway, I told her I love you and, and you're this and that. And so I gave her this ring and she's wearing this ring. And, um, and something, I, I don't know what happened, but over the course, I think we broke up after a long uh, relationship. I think we were together two days. And um, <laughs> she took the ring and she crushed it. And gave it back to me and said, this is fake. Real gold wouldn't bend like this. I went home. I said, mom, you bought her a fake ring. She dumped me. It was supposed to be real gold. And then I find out gold does bend. Um, I was crushed. Now, what did I mean in fifth grade telling a girl I loved her? What did I mean? You ever think about it? What do you mean when you say it? Um, here's, here's some of the options here. There's a great difference between like, I like you. That means I like hanging out with you. Your company is refreshing. I, I, I like to be around people. It's, it was funny. I mean, it's amazing how God answers prayers. I was driving in the car um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm thinking of Joe Martinez. And I'm just thinking of Joe, and I'm like, Lord, I just, I wonder how he is. And all of a sudden, his car comes next to mine. <laughs> I said, Joe! And we stopped and everything. We had breakfast together. It was great. I was like, here I am thinking, man, I just want to spend a little time with Joe. And all of a sudden, God answers the prayer. And, and it's amazing. And so, you know, you like to be around some people. I mean, but that's not really saying I love you. I, I like to be around love. It's... Yeah, he's refreshing, they're refreshing to be around, but also there's a sense of care and a sense of commitment there. It goes to the next level. Yeah, I like you, but I also care and want the best for you, and I am willing to commit to you. Uh, you heard of the guy that was on a, uh, on a ledge, and he's about to com commit suicide, and he's got... A parachute in one hand and a, and, and a letter in another, a suicide letter in the other. And he's ready to jump, but he doesn't know what to do. And his wife sticks her head out the window and you can't commit to anything, can you? you know what I mean? <laughs> Oftentimes we, we, we say the liking part, the commitment part's the hard part. The caring for someone and committing. But let me just tell you how the world defines love. The world defines love as being in love. 
You know what that means? It means I like you and I, I, I want you and I, I love you with my affections. You make my heart beat a little more. It's, it's all the arousal part of love. That's the worldly love. That's the Hallmark love. I love Hallmark movies, amen? But how did it happen? It always happens. Every time, you, you can just, you don't even have to watch them. They start out with their own boyfriend, right? But they don't know if they should marry him until Mr. Right comes. And Mr. Right is, looks just like me, six foot three, blonde hair, blue eyes, muscles everywhere. And now she has to make a decision. Do I stick around with Mr. Dummy, who has been my boyfriend, committed to me for years, or do I go with Mr. Right, who has come and swept me off my feet because he gave me my first kiss in the elevator? And it's all about the in love part, but nothing about the commitment part. And so oftentimes when couples meet and they say, I love you, they mean that. I'm in love with you. It's interesting. Here's what studies say. You know the first thing to go on this list? The in love part. That people are years together and all of a sudden I'm not in love with you as much. I, I've fallen kind of out of love with you. And, and what they're saying by that is I don't have those affections and passion for you anymore. I'm out of love with you. Wow, think about that. We're nowhere in the Bible does it talk about that we ought to be in love. But we ought to love. We ought to love. And so how do we know what the Bible says about love? Well, let's look at 1 John 3.16. He's going to give us an example. He's not just going to tell us, okay, he's not going to define what love is by saying, okay, love is this. But he's going to say, this is an example. This is how we know Love. This is what love, we could, we could say, this is how the example, the supreme example of it. I, I like this. And then he's going to talk about how we can practically put this into, in, into our lives. We know love by this. We, we have perceived love. It's, it's perfect tense in the Greek. This is something we've perceived in the past and we continue to perceive it now. How do we know what love is? Well, well, here it is. Verse 16. Here's the supreme example of love. This is the highest example we'll ever see. This is love. You ready for that? He laid down his life for us. You say, why, why is this important? Because you know in John chapter 10 when he talked about the hireling and the difference between the good pastor and the hireling is a person that comes and he does it for the money and it's all about the money and he's hired and, and when the sheep really have problems, the hireling does what? Runs. But the good shepherd the one that really loves and cares for the sheep lays down his life for the sheep. There it is. There is care there. There is love there. There is seeking the best in the object love. He lays down his life, what? For us. The benefits, beneficiary of this is us. He knows we have a need and he meets the greatest need that we have. True love is sacrificial. True love understands that people have needs and tries to meet that need at any cost. Well, I know what true love is. It's, it, it's amazing. It, it doesn't matter the cost. When, when COVID hit, we had a, a good friend who is fragile in her health. 
her daughter at 16 years old had to make a decision. Do I keep going to school and possibly bring back COVID to my mother that could be fatal to her? Or do I stop going to school and start doing something I don't like online and start doing school that way? You know what a 16-year-old chose? The 16-year-old chose to do school online to protect her mother. That's love. It's sacrificial. It's, it's costly. He laid down his life for us. He knew that we had a need, and that was our, our sin, and he, and he paid the price on the cross for us. Here's what's interesting. If you've ever studied the Bible out, and we talk about the cross, and really understanding the love of God, watch this. The love of God and the cross, how they go together. It's all over the Bible. God's love and the cross. You ready for this? For God so loved the world, that what did he do? He gave his son. The cross and God's love, how they go together. Let's look at another one. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. How do I know he loves me? He did what? He gave himself for me. Watch this one. Another one, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love. How does he do it? Christ died for us. Yes. Lay down his life. God's love, the cross. Oh, you want another one? Here's another one. First John 4.10. I have 80 of these, by the way. This is love. Not one amen. I'm kidding around. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us. And how do we know he loved us? He sent his son to die for us. You see, when we look at the cross, we see God's love. When we look at our circumstances, we start to doubt God's love. One of the first visits that Katie and I ever made when we got married, we made a hospital visit. I'll never forget the lady. Her, she, it was amazing. She left her son with a babysitter. The babysitter took the child and threw the child against the wall. The child ended up being blind and was, I remember we walked in and it was, there was, uh, what is that that goes all around the child, uh, the, the stuff that they put to protect the kids that are in the, uh, in the ER or whatever it was, and all, all this, and she looks at us and she says this, how does God love me? I said, well, if you look at what happened, you'll doubt it. But if you look at the cross, you will know that God loves you. Look at the cross. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the things that are going on. The moment we start looking at it, I start to wonder, is there, does he really love me? I mean, if he really loves me, this would happen in my life. But no, I have to look no further than the cross. And all throughout the Bible, it talks about how God loves us and he sent his son. In fact, look at John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. I know he loves me. I know he loves you. How do I know? He died for you and he died for me. That's the supreme example of love. So what is love? If we were to talk about what is love, love is, is somebody who knows, love is, is, is someone who knows there's a need in somebody and even if it costs their life, they pay it. In fact, look what it says right here in, in 1 John 3.16. We have a moral obligation to one another. We owe it to God. Watch this. 1 John 3.16. We ought to what? Lay down our lives for who? For the brethren. And what he's saying is this. 
We have a moral obligation. We owe it to God. We owe it to one another to meet the needs of one another, no matter how much the cost. Let me just tell you, <laughs> Trunk or Treat this year, I'm excited about Trunk or Treat. Two years ago, Trunk or Treat was scary. At that time, none of us had COVID. We didn't know how it was going to affect our bodies. And I praise the God, praise God, what a, what a loving church to go out there, wear masks, to wear, to wear gloves, to go out there and serve our community, which could have cost some of our lives. We didn't know at that time. And I praise the Lord. All these cars came and they saw the love of Jesus. And how did God bless us? Do you remember how God blessed us? We all got COVID. Isn't God great? Here we are. I remember. I remember because Josh and Mindy, you guys were out there with your avalanche stuff on. Was it that? It was 2020. You did that. I mean, that's why we probably got COVID. But anyway, they had, you know, they had their avalanche on and all this. I mean, this was amazing. This was a cause. Some people, they said to me, you guys are nuts. What are you doing? Do you understand that you can get sick doing that? Yeah. But at the price of the gospel, who cares? He came and laid down his life for us. We have a moral obligation to others to do the same. At any cost, what it may cost. Now, somebody says, well, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? And those are great words. And, and, and so, you know, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And, and that's so heavenly. Watch what John does. That's why I love this passage. He starts off by saying, okay, this is the heavenly example. This is what God does. We ought to do the same, and we can talk about that. But now he goes from the heavens to our pantry. You ready for this? <laughs> he goes from the heavens to the church's pantry. Now watch this. I finally got an amen from Kate. Here we go. Ready? But whoever has the world's goods, are you ready for this? He's speaking to everyone in this room. He's not just talking to the rich people. He's talking to the world, people who have the world's goods. What is he talking about? Those who have food, those who have shelter, those who have clothing. We have the world's goods. Everyone here, by God's grace, we have the world's goods. The word goods there is, talks about what we need to, to live. Food, clothing, and shelter. We got it, by God's grace. Some have it more than others. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. We're going to see in a moment what he says about that. But here's what he says here. Whoever has the world's goods, put your name there. Jeremy has the world's goods. Katie has the world's goods. We all have the world's goods. We, we've been blessed. And let me just tell you something. In America, we've been really blessed. We have storage units next to the world's goods. Whoever has the world's goods, now he's talking to every one of us. Watch this. And he sees his brother in what? In need. Now, now, now don't miss this. Okay? This is not just a little glance that we see the brother in need. We understand the need. And let me just tell you, it's a need, not a want. I remember my brother saying, hey, you need to ask the church to buy me a van. I said, John, I can't go before the church to get you a van. No, I need a van, he told me on the phone. You go before the church and you get them to give an offer. I need a van. That's not a need. That's a want. Now, what you need is food. You need clothing and you need shelter. Yeah, those are needs. 
So we see the brother in need. We observe the need. But here's what we do. Here's what happens. And I pray it doesn't happen to us, but watch what happens. We close what? Our heart. Now, now, now don't miss this. Because this is, he doesn't go and say, you shut your eyes. You, you've been there, right? You're watching a football game and all of a sudden a commercial for Africa comes on. And the kids have the big bellies and they're not eating. And oh, please send it. Shut the channel off. Shut it off. I don't want to see that. Shut it off. Or you're there at the, you're there at the um, stoplight and there's somebody begging for food and you don't want to look. You know, you just want to keep looking here. I look at him. I'm going to have to give him money. I don't want to look. He doesn't say he shut his eyes. He says he shut his what? His heart. This is a heart issue. Interesting word close. It talks about a jail door being shut and locked. We lock our hearts. We don't let our emotions get involved. We, 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 we lock it down. We don't let our minds, our heart, the inner, we don't let it touch her. We shut it off. No, no. We, we see the need. We observe the need, but we just shut the need off. We don't want it to affect us. I want to sleep at night. I don't want to think about their need. I want to go to bed and relax. He knows, John knows here, a closed heart means a closed hand. Watch this. Look at what it says here in Deuteronomy 15, 7. It says, if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your what? Your heart. Now watch this. Nor close your hand from your poor brother. A closed heart is a closed hand. An open heart, guess what, will be an open hand. When we allow the key of the gospel to unlock our hearts, to really see a need and say, wow, I got a moral obligation before God, the one that sent his only son to die for me. How can I close my heart when there's somebody that has a need? Watch this. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall what? Generously lend him sufficient for his need. Oh, thank you. You want to die for me? I appreciate that, but can you help me pay my rent? Um, I die for you. I'll pray for you. That no sufficient to meet what the need. You see that in whatever he lacks. You see, an open heart would lead to an open hand, and God will meet that need through you. Here's what here's what John's going to say. This this is amazing. He says, whoever has the world's goods, and that's all of us, and, and sees his brother in need, we, we observe a need, we get a, we get a hear of a need, we know the need, we understand the need, but yet we shut our hearts down. Here's what he says. How does the love of God abide in him? In other words, what he's saying in verse 17 is, how is God's love that's been poured out in your heart flowing through you? The answer is obvious. Guess what? It's not. It's not. It's just stayed there and we shut it down. It needs to flow through us. You say, Jeremy, talk to me about 
some other verses in the Bible that would encourage me with this. Thank you for asking that. I really, because I, I came across one that, that's just as amazing. Watch this here. This is amazing. Look at this. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Let's look how this gets put into practice here. Instruct those who are rich in this present world, those who have an abundance. Here's the danger with having an abundance. Look at it. It happens to all of us. Here's the dangers. What's the first danger? Not to be what? Conceited. Here's the danger. I've worked hard for it. I'm smart. I went to school for 12 years. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that put the food on. And there's nothing wrong with hard work. And there's nothing wrong with going to school. Here's what burns me up. There's people who don't even go to school. And they make triple what I make. <laughs> now one amen. Then they read a little bit of a book. And all of a sudden they touch something and it turns to gold. You're like, wait a minute here. Don't be conceited. Don't think you got yourself there. God did. We tend to be conceited and think, man, I'm the one that, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm pretty smart, ain't I? I did Watch out. Here's another one. Look at this. There's another thing that we've got to be careful about. Don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of what? <laughs> this week we got our envelopes in, you know, we got, you know, we look at a retirement account. We got to look at our, we got some college funds. We got some people helping with college funds. It's amazing. We open them up. They all have negative signs of what they were in the beginning of the year and what they are now. No amens? They go up, guess what? They go down. They go up, they go down. Sometimes they go down and we panic. Are they ever going to go up? Some of you that are older, you've watched this. It doesn't bother you. Some of us who are younger, we get scared to death when it goes down. What am I going to do when I'm 95? I don't know. It's uncertain. People tell you, but don't worry, just keep investing. It's just going to go up six point something percent all over the years. I've seen it all over the years. It's uncertain. We just don't know. But here's where our trust should be in God, who richly supplies us with all things. And I love this verse all things to do what? To enjoy. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Nothing wrong with God's blessing. We, we never, oh man, I'm just so black. I can, no, we don't have to apologize. That's from God. We trust in God. We enjoy what God has given to us. But here's what we ought to do with the stuff that God's given us. We ought to do good with it. We ought to be rich in what? Good works. And here's what we ought to do. We ought to be generous and we ought to be what? Ready to share. There it is. I remember a, a young couple in Argentina said it's impossible we'll ever be able to buy a house because there you have to buy everything cash. And God worked it out. One of the sisters had to go somewhere else and they were able to get their house. But I remember what he said to me. I don't just want a house for us. I want a house that the whole church can come and be a part of this. And, and, and we want to open up our house. And I want from the very corner of my house to the very end of my house to glorify God. I'm asking God to give me something like that so I can do it. And he did. We need to be, instruct them to do good, good works, be generous, and ready to what? Share. Here's why. You ready? Verse 17 and 19. Look at this. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for when? For the future. How did we come into this world? Naked. How are we leaving this world? Say it. Same way. Same way. Except the pastor that said, I'm not leaving this world naked. I'm going with money. 
So here's what he did. He gave $20,000 to a constructor in the church, $20,000 to a lawyer, and $20,000 to one of his elders. And he said, when I die, you will put these envelopes in the tomb with me. I will die with money. And so they come, and he dies, and, and they just throw the three envelopes in there, and they're all three of them are in the car, and boy, the elder starts moving back and forth and says, man, I'm supposed to be a man of God. I got a confession to make. He goes, church ain't doing well. I took $10,000 and gave it to the church and only gave the pastor 10000 in cash. Constructor, all of a sudden, he's thinking, man, you know what? I got a, I got a confession to make too. Construction's not going the best. I only put 5000 and I kept 15000 myself. The lawyer with his veins sticking out so mad. How can you guys do that to him? I could sue all of you right now. Why don't you do what I did? I wrote him a check. <laughs> Naked you came, naked you leave. Amen. You're not bringing any of it with you. But here's what you can do with your stuff. You can invest it for what lasts. For the future. He's talking about when we're standing before God and, and we have invested what God has given to us and, and we've, we've advanced his work here on this earth. That stays forever and that helps us to reflect his glory. He says, don't fix your hope on the stuff that just comes and goes. Be ready to share. Do good works. Be generous so that we can really understand what life's all about. I'm, I'm amazed. I praise God. There are so many generous people in God's kingdom I, I just get amazed story after story that I hear of, of God's people that just give. It's just, it's just amazing. I heard in Iowa just this week that a lady, she was talking to somebody else about they're having a building project in their church. And uh, the lady mentioned how she loves the church. Now the church helps her, but she's only able to give $100 to the building project. But she loves the church. This couple got wind of it. Walked into the pastor's office says, we couldn't believe how this lady loves your church. We want to donate too. $300,000. I said, can I have their phone number? <laughs> the pastor almost fell off his chair. Oh, there's people out. I praise God. They've been blessed tremendously. God has, God has given. And they just, but it's not just for them. It's for all of us. He's saying here, this is very practical. It's compassionate. It begins in the heart. And here's, here's what he says in verse 18. And this is what we have to be careful about. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. Let us not just say, oh, you got a need. I'll be praying about it. Or I'll discuss it with some other people. You know why? Talk is cheap. If it wasn't, some of us would never talk. We know how to say the good words, you know. Look at these, look at these, uh, in James, I love this verse, how they know how to say the good words. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works, can faith save him? If, if, if a brother or sister is without clothing in need of daily food, there's needs, and one of you says, Shalom. Go in peace. See, they know the biblical terms. Shalom. Go in peace. Be warm and be filled. And yet, don't give him what is necessary for his body. What use is that? What use is telling somebody, I die for you, when they can't even pay their rent? What, what use is, is saying, I, I'll pray about that, when we're not even willing to give small acts of kindness? <laughs> 
and to help their needs. It's not about our tongues and our words. As amazing as words are and as wonderful as words are encouraging and everything, it's, it, it's, it's so much more than just the words need to be backed up by actions. So what if I tell my wife, oh, I, I love you. I'll die for you, honey. I'll die for you. Clean the house. I'm not even going to touch that. I'll do it. I'll die for you, honey. So what? What did that do? All right, but Katie, I'll, I'll die for you. I'll get up at 2 in the morning and take you to the airport. All right? And you know how much I love my sleep. And, and, and yeah, I, I love you. I'll die for you. I, I, I know what you, what you like, so I'm going to go get that for you. Or I'm gonna do, yeah, words are cheap. Actions are what speak. Amen. Talk is cheap. So he says, don't, don't do that. He says, here's what you do. Ready for this? Here's what you do. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but let us love with what? Now, don't miss this. These are small acts of kindness that can impact lives for eternity. I was, I get these emails, these coaching emails, and I got one that said, whose life are you impacting? And they told the story of a 19-year-old boy who was a valet parker at a hospital. And he would see this nine-year-old boy come in and have to do physical therapy and cry all the time. And this 19-year-old boy, what he decided is, you know what, I'm going to make him smile. I'm going to let him use my walkie-talkie. I'm going to let him do things. He said, that changed my life. It is little acts of kindness. Those are deeds. It is, I thank the Lord. Somebody needs their kids watched. We go and watch their kids. They need their rent paid we we by god's grace we help them to, to pay their rent they they have needs now coming up for thanksgiving we're going to go out and give them thanksgiving bad we don't stop there here's why because we also love and what truth we speak the truth nobody's going to get saved by us giving them a shirt but they are going to get saved if we give them the gospel we don't stop. Well, I'll get a lot of amens for the kids. I'm going to start throwing money over here. We're going to the truth. Don't miss this because churches stop at the deed stuff, but they don't go to the truth part. The deed stuff is easy. It's fun. I'll hand out candies. That's, I'll do that. But share the gospel. No, wait, not me. No, we have to love them in truth. And see, see, the, the world defines what love is. And, and, but we truly love by showing them the love of the cross. Here's what's amazing. A, a guy wrote a pastor. He said, I loved a girl. He wrote him back. He said, you didn't love a girl. He goes, you slept with a girl. He goes, that's different. He said, if you loved a girl, you would have waited for her. You would have protected her purity. You would have really loved the girl. Don't let the world define what love is. We love in truth. We love the biblical way. We love God's way. We show them God's way. Not what they think. The, the, the tongue talks about love. Love wins. Love, love. That's not love. Love is the cross. Love is compassionate. Love is sacrificial. Love seeks what's best in the object love. And if we love our community, we will give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I praise God. That's what we do. We don't just give them candy. We give them the gospel. We don't just give them Thanksgiving baskets. We give them the gospel. We love in truth. 
But let's make this even more practical. What do you mean when you say, I love this church? Right? I always wonder when people tell me that. You know, you know what scares me when somebody tells me that? Usually when they tell me that, within a few weeks they're gone. I've seen it too much. Oh, I just love this play. I love it. I love it. Uh, I haven't seen so. Yeah, they're gone. They love it so much they're gone. So when you say you love this church, what does that mean? Well, let me give you some practical ways of here's how we can really love this church. If, if we're going to love one another and we have a moral obligation before God, here's what we need to do. First of all, we need to pray with and for each other. There is nothing like bearing the burdens of one another that increases our love for one another. And there, when we ask them, how can, you, how can I pray for you? Guess what? We start to learn about some of their needs. And so as we're praying with them and really begging God for them and bearing our, their burdens, guess what? Our love increases for one another. And we start to love. You ready for this one? This sounds a little selfish. You ready for how else we can love the church? We uh, show up. That one amen. Wow. <laughs> It used to be that people would come to church three times a week. Back in the days, remember the three times a week time? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Now it's three times. You're lucky if it's three times a month. But here, let me just say this. And I'm not picking on anyone. Paul, you, if you ever look at the heartbeat of Paul, I love 1 Corinthians 16, 7, because you know what he says? He says, I don't just want to see you. He says, I want to spend time with you. He loved people. Praise the Lord. We, we love this church. We're going to want to be with people. We're going to want to be here. Now, it's great to watch it at home, right? I'm 15 pounds heavier, but that's okay. On the video. Am I only 15? I'm probably a little bit heavier than that. But, you know what I mean? Somebody asked me, how many cameras do you have on you? But, you know what I mean? but that's not loving the church. We come to meet together because we love one another. And we want to spend time with one another. Here's another way. Invest. I'm not just saying give money here. Invest your time. Invest serving. Guess what? As we're serving, as we're investing what God has given to us, our heart follows that. Jesus said where your treasure is, your heart follows that. It's hard not to love a church when you're serving and giving your best for the church. You start to love it more. You see the needs. And guess what your next thing you do? You see a need in the church, and you know what? You meet that need. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for people in the church that say, Hey, Pastor, I see something that needs to be done, but I'm not just here to tell you it needs to be done. I'm here to help you get it done. What a difference. Then the people say, You know what? I noticed our church doesn't have this. Uh, yeah, I noticed that too. I've been noticing it for about eight years now. Uh, you want to help me with that? No, no, I just want to let you know that this is what the church doesn't have. Well, I understand that, but guess what? We need help. So you see a need, guess what? We meet that need. You know, so-and-so needed gas in their car, and I pray God, there are people doing this. By the way, there are people doing, there are people giving car, helping people, people giving car, who are they? There are people giving, there's people doing it, they're loaning things, they're meeting people's needs, they see a need, they meet, I praise God, and they never want to be known. 
I can mention names, but they would get embarrassed and probably say, I love this church, but I'm leaving it. You're not having God. But we see a need, and guess what we do? We meet that need. And it's amazing how your love for the church increases. People say, and I'm thankful to God for this, we have a very loving church. But oftentimes I wonder, what does that mean? Does it mean that we're a smiling church? Does it mean that we make them feel comfortable when they sit down? Or does it mean that we're committed to these things? That we love to pray for people. That we love to come and be with the people. That we're investing our hearts, our minds, our lives into the, to the ministry here. And that we're seeing needs and we're meeting that needs. Meeting those needs. That's a loving church. And I'm thankful to God. We do have a loving church. But we need to grow in that. And increase in that. You see, talk is cheap. Actions speak. We can look at our schools and say, ah, look at the schools. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to go and help them. And may that be our heartbeat as a church. Pastor, yes, can yep. you can interrupt. Because I, I love you. Randy and I were at a um, Moody Church uh, meeting with evangelists, and this one evangelist gave this description of love. Love is a person is is a, one person giving themselves to another for their purpose and usage, and continue giving until the giving becomes a sharing. Oh, amen. Very good. Very good. Praise the Lord. That is love. That's true biblical love. And so let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. How are we going to love one another this week? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the supreme example of love through your son, Jesus Christ. You didn't just say you love the world. You sent your son to prove it. And now, Lord, we have a moral obligation to you and to one another to love. It's sacrificial. We may not have to die physically. But, Lord, we may have to die to self and think of other people's interests more than ourselves. Lord, it's compassionate. It starts in the heart. So I ask you to open up our hearts. You have blessed us so much with worldly goods. And they're not just for us. They're for your work. So use what we have. Help us not to fix our hope on the uncertainty of riches. But to trust in you. And God, to be good and to do the things that are generous and to share. Because then we'll really see what real life is about. Lord, thank you for a loving church. But I pray, Lord, that we think about those words when we say, I love this church. What that really means. But that means I'm committed to praying with and for one another. That I'm committed to coming and being a part and, and, and showing up. 
That, that I'm, I'm committed. I, I, I'm going to invest my time, my energy, whatever, whatever I have, Lord, as long as I have for you. And I'm going to, Lord, by your grace, see a need and meet the need. And maybe nobody else knows about it, but you do. And we thank you for that. God, help us to grow in our love. To not be like the world that says, oh yeah, we like that or in love with that. But to truly have care and commitment for those around us. Thank you so much for this passage of scripture. We praise you in the, pre in the precious name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.